invite you to open up to the book of Hebrews this morning. We'll be looking uh, at Hebrews chapter 3, and if you want to be ready, we'll also be in Hebrews 10. So if you, can, if you have a paper or a bookmark, um, we'll look at these two passages today. But we are uh, continuing to think about how the church, the living church of God, is built up. Many of us cooped up over the the spring and summer and fall months this year. Nationwide, the number of home renovation projects has skyrocketed. You've probably seen evidence of that in your neighborhoods from the the outside. You know, all all sorts of homes uh, going on the market, being dressed up. Nationally, Home Depot uh, estimates that its sales have been up at least 25% higher than, than any other time in years past. And our own family's done some of that uh, DIY stuff. We've been hauling sheetrock into our basement to redo the ceiling. We've been painting. We've been trimming out things, working on the yard. But with everyone, uh, you know, involved in this do-it-yourself home reno season, wanted just to to give us a word of caution this morning that the person doing the building and the designing matters. Found a few cautionary examples of home improvement projects that have gone wrong. I want to share a few of those with you today. You can see here this guy uh, executed pretty pretty well on the, the stairs themselves that he put in but failed to adjust for the height of the ceiling So it looks like it's kind of crawling only access to the second floor in this particular household. Here, this is a kitchen renovation where apparently you can either use the refrigerator or use the stove, but you can't do both at the same time, which is probably likely to lead you to be a bit hungry. These two, I just don't know how they ever got off the ground. (laughs) Got, uh, Got some dangerous opportunities waiting for you. And, and the last one is a bathroom renovation that, that was executed well, it appears, but you have to question kind of the intention in the beginning. Was this really a good idea? When it comes to rebuilding our homes, right, we can have raw materials at our disposal. We can go to Home Depot and fill up our truck. We can have great ideas. But when left kind of unsupported or or undirected, left to our own devices, things can get sketchy pretty fast. And it's it's in those moments that you want to have guys like Ed Cordemanch or John Anderson or Zach Lissio on speed dial, right, to to help walk you through it, or to have Steve Shanks to call up uh, on a plumbing question, right? Lasting construction requires, it, it needs expert help. And I think that the same would be true when we think about the church being built up. If we're talking about the the building or renovating of the church, by which I mean not this physical structure, but but the living church body, its people. We need an experienced builder over these projects, leading the work. Someone who knows how the pieces fit together, Someone who knows what shortcuts to avoid. 
and someone who has ultimately a vision for what the church is meant to be in the first place. We need expert. We need faithful help. And so in uh, the month of November, we are thinking about how we do that work of building up. And last week we started in Matthew 7. And we heard the words of Jesus that we have been given an expert foundation. We've been given Jesus' own word, his teaching, his his presence and imitation uh, for us to imitate. And we need to, to dig down to that foundation of hearing the word of God and then obeying and doing it, putting it into practice in order to to have something that will weather stress and storm. But today I want to examine how God adds to that foundation. What gets built upon that? How How does the work of God build his house? And specifically I want us to be thinking about who has God authorized to do that work, to lead it? Who's in charge of this building up? And I think the way we answer that question will greatly affect both how we build and what we build together. So let me uh, invite us to, to open with a word of prayer as we turn to Hebrews 3. Lord, we are grateful that you have been building throughout the ages, Lord, a people for yourself church with your name. But Lord, we also want to invite that work to continue. Lord, we pray that you would help us to lay aside any ill-conceived plans, anything that, that no longer fits. Lord, anything that's grown weak or weary and needs to be reinforced and re-strengthened. Lord, we invite your word to speak to us this morning and to begin doing that building up work. Jesus, may the words of my mouth as I teach this morning, may the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. For you are our rock and our redeemer. In your name we pray. Amen. So we're in the book of Hebrews today. And we're, we're jumping right into the third chapter. But if you went back to Hebrews 1, right in the first verse, you would, you would see that the, the theme of Hebrews is this idea that, that there's sort of the looking back into the past of the people of God, into the, the nation of Israel's past, and then looking at the person of Jesus and seeing both how God revealed himself in the past, but now how God's revealing himself more fully more faithfully, more completely in the person and work of Jesus. Right? In, in Hebrews 1.1 1, 1, it says, In the former days God spoke through our ancestors in, in, in a, a number of different ways, through a number of different people, but now, Hebrews says, he's spoken definitively through God's own Son. Jesus is the supreme revelation of what it means to, to have hope and to be the people of God. So that's uh, kind of the context we have here in Hebrews 3. What has been in the past is, is now being fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Therefore, Hebrews 3.1, 1, 
Therefore, holy brothers and sisters, those who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house. That's a quotation from the book of Numbers. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as the Son over God's house. And we are his house. If indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. There's sort of, I think, two questions, two metaphors uh, working in this passage simultaneously. On the one hand, the, the question being asked is, who is building the house of God? Who's overseeing the, the, the people and the household that God has fashioned for himself? Who's leading this house? But in addition to that, that construction metaphor, if you read all of Hebrews 3 you'd see that what the author has in mind is the season in, in Israel's past when they were in the desert, when they were in the wilderness. And he compares uh, the situation of the first century church, their difficulties, to the difficulties that faced the Hebrew people being led out of Egypt. And if you remember the, the book of Exodus and, and through the Pentateuch into the book of Numbers and elsewhere, that was a time of testing. And it was a time for 40 years where they grew hungry, they grew tired, they grew discontent with their circumstances. And frequently there was a temptation among the people to, to grumble against the leadership, and in particular, Moses' leadership. And so in this chapter, Hebrews 3, Paul cites a number of Old Testament passages, but in part he's thinking about an exchange in Numbers chapter 12, where in the, the grumbling that's taking place, even Moses' own brother Aaron and his sister Miriam begin to discredit Moses' leadership, and they say, maybe we should be in charge of this project. Maybe we should bring the people through the wilderness. And the Lord speaks definitively and clearly about who he has chosen to lead and why he has chosen him. And of course, the person God has chosen is Moses. God says in Numbers 12, only Moses had the humility to both know the heart of God and to meet with God, not like a prophet who just heard the word of God, but as a, as a man of God who met with God face to face. He possessed that kind of humility. Only Moses could be trusted with the purposes and the designs and the desires of God for his people. And in Numbers 12, 7, it says, 
only Moses had been a faithful servant in all of my house. Right? For 40 years in the wilderness, Moses was faithful to lead his people forward. And so, the author of Hebrews, speaking to the first century church, and I think speaking to our church today, is asking them, well, who is going to lead us through a time of testing? Through our own wilderness wandering times. And I would say it, it feels very much like our church is in one of those wilderness seasons today. And we might be asking, well, who is there then to lead us? We don't have Moses today. He's not here. And let me assure you, Pastor Dave is no Moses. Not even close. So who will look after? Who will lead the house of God in 2020? Who will lead the people of God through a pandemic? Who will lead the church in the United States that, that feels like a nation dividing against itself? Right? Who will lead us when we're tired and testy and when we feel like the, the promised land is still a long, long way off? Well, I want you to hear what Hebrews 3 has to say. It says, we have someone greater than Moses. In verse 1, it says, we have an apostle. We have an, a high priest worthy of even greater honor than Moses himself. And we need to pay attention to him today. Verse 1 says, we need to fix our thoughts upon Jesus as we're being tested. Verse 6 goes on to say that we've been given not Jesus the, the servant in God's house, we've been given Jesus the son over God's house. And there's this metaphor that, that the author of Hebrews works with, that as Jesus is the son over this, that, this house, he's also like the architect. He's the carpenter. He not only serves in the house of God, he has been building it up from day one. He's the master builder. He's the one holding us as a people together in this moment. So Christ is over the house of God. He's building the house of God. He is leading the people of God in a way even greater than Moses ever did. And then in verse 6 it says, remember that we are his house. Right? You and I are the house that Jesus has framed, Jesus has fashioned, and Jesus is committed to finishing with his own hands. I can't tell you how encouraging that is to me when I feel anxious, when I'm up in the middle of the night wondering about decisions, about how to, to keep the church together, right? to keep the wheels on. We can all be discouraged. We need to be reminded that we belong to Jesus. We are his house, the house of God's own Son. And in verse 6 it says we must cling to that hope. We must glory in that hope. We must take confidence in the fact that Jesus is the builder of this house. 
But practically speaking, how do we do that? And how do we invite Jesus to do the, the rebuilding, the upbuilding, the framing out work of his church today? Well, I want to move us to chapter 10, starting in verse 21. Chapter 10, 21 in Hebrews. Where we see the same sort of metaphor continued about the house of God. But we get some very specific exhortations or applications from, from the one who is over, who's building that house. Look at chapter 10, verse, I'm picking up sort of partway through a thought here in verse 21. Hebrews says, Since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us then draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, all the more as you see the day approaching. Hebrews 10 says, Jesus is not only the leader like Moses taking his people through the wilderness, he's not only the builder of God's house, but he is the high priest over that household. And of course, to the the, the audience reading the, the letter to the Hebrews initially, their, their association, when they hear the words house of God, right, they would think of the temple in Jerusalem. And they would know that that household, only part of it was, was uh, open to an average person. Right? The, the inner courtyards of the temple, you had to be a priest to enter them. And the, the, the very center of the temple, the Holy of Holies, you had to be the high priest to enter that space. The space where God's presence dwelt. By the time the book of Hebrews is written, though, not only may there have been a, a constraint for the people of God, the, the early Christians, to go to the house of God. Right? They'd been ostracized from the temples and synagogues. But the temple itself may have already been torn down by the Romans who destroyed it in 70 A.D. What we're being told, though, in the book of Hebrews is that there is a new, there is a living house of God that Jesus Christ has fashioned. Right back in chapter 3, it said, we are the house of God. And as that living church that Jesus is building and reigning over and serving as a high priest in, we are urged to do three things as we are part of that house, as we exist in it. And each of those three exhortations here come with the phrase, let us. There are three let us's here in Hebrews 10. Three actions that we can do. They're, they're all started with, with a verb. And I would like to think of them as a sort of building tips. How does this work happen? How does the house of God get built up? We get, there we go. 
The first comes in verse 21. It says, let us draw near to God. That's the first way God builds us up. And that the verb here is a verb of proximity. It says, move toward the presence of God. And what's in view here is that Jesus, by giving his own body as a living sacrifice, right, he's taken away that, that prohibition from going into the Holy of Holies. And instead, we've been cleansed, we've been made acceptable in God's sight. And so Hebrews says, come all the way in to the presence of God. Draw near to him. Be bathed in his holiness and presence. What an encouragement at a time where we're required to keep distance from things. Right? There's so much we can't draw near to. We can't touch. We can't be in the presence of. But Hebrew says we can approach the living God. We can draw near to him. We can wake up in the morning knowing that God wants us to be next to him, near to him. Hebrew says that is the full assurance faith gives us. God says, my house is your house. Let us draw near to the presence of God. That's the first exhortation. The second one comes in verse 23. It says, as we come into the presence of God, as we draw near, as we know that God delights in having us close to him, it says, then let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. If the first verb is moving toward in proximity with God's presence, the second here is the verb of seizing, grasping, taking hold of hope. Again, in our particular time and place, it feels like if we grasp or seize onto any other thing, it's likely to be torn from our hands right now, right? Make whatever plan you want. Set whatever hopes you want into the future. But everything changes every, every week, every month. We don't know what's coming right now. Someone shared with me right now that feels so hard to, to sort of be successful at anything in life today, right? It's, it's hard to to feel like anything's succeeding or going well or finished. We don't have many moments of celebration at present. And I can identify with the way that, that exhausts us and wears us out. And yet I think we also, in the times where we can't hold on to any earthly hope, we have an incredible opportunity to hope in the kingdom of God, in the work of Jesus Christ like we have never hoped before. And there are many days where I find myself coming to the Lord in the morning and saying, I don't see a whole lot of good out there right now. There's not a lot that just naturally encourages me today. But I do have the promise, I have the assurance that you are building something, you are planting something, you are growing something good, even in all the rubble outside. I think the word of Hebrews to us is to let go of everything else. But dig our fingers and nails deeply into the hope of Jesus Christ. Hold fast. The 
church is going to survive whatever ordeal comes its way. Not because of us, but Hebrews says, because he who promised is faithful. Hold to that hope unswervingly. Third and finally, we are exhorted in verse 25. That as those who are in the presence of God, who've drawn near to God, who are seizing the hope we have in Jesus Christ, then from that place of intimacy and proximity and grasping at the hope of Jesus, now consider how we may spur one another on. The verb here is to incite, to provoke, to stir up. And it can be used in a negative sense, right? To stir or provoke violence in the Greek. But here the idea is stir up. Let the, the presence and the encouragement and the hope you have in Jesus Christ incite works of love and encouragement and good deeds. And it gives us sort of a, a vision of how that happens. It says, do not give up on being together meeting together, drawing near to one another, but instead actively encourage, actively renew, actively build one another up in this time. The gist is that the strengthening and the rebuilding work that Jesus wants to do cannot be sustained in isolation. The work of the church demands community. It demands communion with Christ and with each other. And I'm speaking firsthand for myself. And this has probably been one of the, the weariest seasons I can remember. This was a difficult week. We had a chance at the end of the week to just be in retreat for, for 24 hours with Pete and Cherry. And I can't tell you how upbuilding and encouraging that time of communion and fellowship and prayer was. Now I know there aren't always opportunities for, for everyone and for those who are watching at home to, to come and be in the sanctuary. There are important reasons that we have to, to do things differently in this time. But let me just say that's all the more reason we have to find ways to be encouraged to draw near, to meet together in some way, some fashion, with at least a few others. Maybe that means connecting with your small group that you've already been a part of in the past. Maybe that means linking up with the Sunday school class that's starting on Zoom today with other adults, sharing their encouragements one another, with one another. But if you're in a place where you don't know where or how to do that work of encouraging, you know that you need to be sustained in the months ahead, then I want to put before you an opportunity. In the month of November, we're going to work to sort of put together these encouragement pods or, or groupings at JCC to, to build one another up. And, and the way that'll work is if you desire that, you desire to be encouraged, you desire to encourage others, you just need to let us know. Send me an email, give me a phone call, and we'll take sort of clusters of people and we'll put you together for the next three or four months. 
And, and you can decide how you want to build one another up. You can write notes, you could send emails, you could check in with each other on a weekly basis. You could Zoom together and, and pray for one another. You could meet in person and go for a walk. Whatever you are able and comfortable with doing, but we need to, to draw near, we need to incite, we need to stir up works of love in the body of Jesus Christ today. So the word of Hebrews to us this morning is that we have Jesus Christ, the Son of God, over his household, building up his house, leading his house. And our work is to draw near to him, to seize the hope he has given us, and to incite and to spur one another on. We wanted to finish our time of worship this morning by bringing those needs, by bringing those prayers, by bringing those desires to the Lord in a, in a time of intercessory prayer. Uh, in just a few minutes, at about a quarter after 11, some of us will be gathering on the green to pray for the family and children's ministries of the church in the months ahead. But I just want to invite uh, us to, to take a time, maybe five, six, seven minutes now, and just confess to the Lord, where do we need to be built up? And pray that the Lord would, would pour out and release that work in our midst. That he would encourage us today. I'll start us out and then I just would ask anyone who feels comfortable to, to pray out and lead us in this time. Lord Jesus, you are the architect. You are the cornerstone. You are the the ledge rock foundation under your people. And so we have every reason to have hope today. But Lord, I bring to you the places where we are weary. Lord, I bring to you the burdens that have been far too heavy for us to carry any longer. And we ask you to take them, ask you to pour out new strength today. Over our families, Lord, would you encourage them to draw near to you and to one another? Lord, would you give our children the knowledge of your presence, the power of your word living in them today? Lord, I pray for those places where distance has crept in due to time and circumstance and where we've been out of contact, out of encouragement with with those we love in this body. Lord, would you close in those spaces through the work of your Spirit? Would you draw us near to one another? Lord, we pray for those leading and serving in this church body. Pray for our deacons. We pray for our moderator. We pray for our prudential committee and our Christian ed committee and our treasurer and our financial secretary pray for grace as she cares and cleans and, and stewards this house. We pray for Charnel as she leads in the office. Or we pray for those who just need your strength to be sustained, um, to be built up in the work they do. Lord, we pray that you would release each gift. Lord, those who encourage to be encouragers, those who teach to teach those who give to give generously, those who lead to lead diligently. 
Lord, would you build up your body, not just today, but throughout the weeks and months ahead. Lord, would we see a, a new strength emerging because you are faithful. It's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen.